my heart in a letter She told me she was leaving and her life would be better Joan broke it off over the phone After the tone, she left me alone Jen said she'd never ever see me again When I saw her again, she said it again Jen met another man Lisa got amnesia, just forgot who I am Felicity said there was no electricity Emily, no chemistry Fran ran, who's turned out to be a man Flo had to go, I couldn't go with the flow Carol Brown just took a bus out of town But I'm hoping that you'll stick around You're listening to Ink Suds on CITR 101.9 FM. Um, this week I'm talking to local Vancouverite Steve LeCouillard. Did I get it right? Yeah, that's uh, good. Très bien. Um, Steve has been doing comics in the Vancouver scene for, I guess, uh, four years? Yeah, about that. Yeah. I first met Steve when um, he had the misfortune of driving me down to Portland for Stumptown. That's right. Yeah. He was stuck in a car yeah. with me for... Seven hours? Yeah. Uh, no. Was Eight? It, was it that long? I, <laughs> did we not also go to Seattle? Because I might be confusing that. 
Or was no, Mike, just Mike was at both trips? That's what it was. Mike was, yeah. yeah that's that's uh, Mike Meyer yeah. we're referring to. Um, it was an enjoyable trip. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> um, and all that time you've been doing the webcomic Much the Miller's Son? Uh, yep. Uh, except for the last year. I um, put it on hiatus to work on something else, but... Uh, so far, there's not much traction on that. So. <laughs> but I'll, I'll get back to it. Yeah. All right. Um, you've been doing animation a long time, too, right? How yeah. long have you been yeah. in animation for? Um, well, I've been in, uh, in animation since 2004, but I also uh, worked in video games. So I've been a professional um, industry artist uh, since about the end of 2000. So, uh, But yeah, uh, it's about seven years of uh, TV animation. When did you want to start making comics and that? Um, well, I've always wanted to do comics, but um, I think it was kind of um, wh when I hit about 30 years old and I realized that um, I could spend many years in the animation business and never really work on something I wanted to do, that I just decided that, well, if I'm going to do my own project, I'm just going to do it instead of uh, waiting for that, you know, that golden ticket. So, um, so yeah, I just knuckled down and started doing, you know, putting out a page a week. I've talked to other animators. Um, one conversation with one kind of over drinks and was telling me about how the thing about animation a lot of people forget about is even though, like, you're making these characters, it's kind of like in the world of comics where you're, you don't own the rights to that. So, no. like, say if you're creating for Marvel or DC, mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of gloss that over. Right. Um, Creatively, was that kind of a challenge for you where you're making things for other folks? Like, I don't know what your role was in animation. I'm a storyboard artist. Okay. So as far as um, artists involved in, in, involved in other people's shows go, I have more freedom than most because what I get is a script, and mm -hmm. then I turn that into pictures. I'm the first artist who touches it, and um, I think arguably the story artist is the one who has... is the, the one artist who has the most direct control over any given TV show or episode. Mm -hmm. um, I basically interpret all of it. Uh, and then everybody else uh, bases their work on what I've done. So it's probably worse for animators, I would expect, because they get like 10 seconds of the show to work to call their own, you know? Um, whereas with me, I get, I get kind of more control over it. But yeah, it's a challenge working on uh, other people's projects, other people's ideas under um, censorship guidelines and things where... Um, it has to be appropriate for kids, which obviously is not a big deal, but I the ideas that the networks might have of what's appropriate for kids is just ludicrous, <laughs> you know? You have uh, <coughs> a son, right? I have two. I have two, two boys? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I th oh, yeah, I think when I met your your partner, she was pregnant. Right, right. My wife, actually. Oh. <laughs> I was being uh, politically correct. Yeah. Um, does that kind of... Having, having the boys... Mm -hmm. um, do you see kind of really a different type of lens than, say, one without kids, like, seeing that in that structure? Uh, idea I guess of, so. Like, you kind of get more of that subtle nuance of what kids find funny? Um, in a sense, well, the thing, the thing is with kids is that they're, um, they're very easily influenced by just what's on TV. Like, you can convince a kid that something's cool with a flashy commercial. It doesn't have to actually have any worth. You know, like, um, you see the toys that they advertise to kids? Like I, kids I know the toys I bought when I was a kid. Well, yeah, there you go, right? <laughs> it's like, they, they're obsessed with, um, I don't know, something like a spinning top with 
with game cards that comes with it, which is, it's like a nonsense toy, but they're obsessed with it because there's a TV show about it and stuff. But, as so I think you kind of have to um, believe in what you're doing. I think the best stuff that's been made for kids has been made from the point of view of, um, uh, like, from childlike adults, as opposed to what kids like, because kids have no idea. You've heard of Axe Cop, I bet. Which is, um, uh, I wish I could remember the name of the artist, but it's, um, it's a webcomic, it's now in print. It's done by a cartoonist, and it's basically scripted by his five-year-old brother. And so it's, it's just insanity. It's this, uh, you know, cop with an axe who kills bad guys and rides around on dinosaurs, and it's just, (laughs) it's pure nonsense, because this is how kids think. They don't think about, does this make sense? They think about, wouldn't it be cool? Yeah. So there's a very different, um, a very different sort of, um... Uh, way of way of imagining things that kids have that you don't really see on TV because TV shows they're often created by by artists, uh, cartoonists, or uh, or even writers. But by the time they reach the air, they've gone through hundreds of lawyers and people who just who are interested in making a product to interest advertisers in buying advertising space on the on that time slot. Mm-hmm. And so, entertainment is sort of like a distant. You know, way down the list. Do you ever wonder how like shows like Tiny Toons made it through? Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very uh, specific answer. Yeah. Well, he was he was the exactly. one who, who made that happen. Yeah. So uh, and occasionally, you know, lightning strikes and you'll get uh, Bruce Tim can get to do the show that he wants to do and, and stuff like and that. It's Adventure Time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Adventure Time uh, is cool. Now, do you have? have any traction on doing material for kids because I mean it's we'll, we'll get into this because mm-hmm. uh, much Miller's son it's not a kid's book no it's not it could very easily be a kid's book but it's I not suppose. a kid's book yeah um well I wanted to do something like the French comics that I like um I mean Asterix is a kid's book and I like Asterix a lot but there's also other um other cartoonists who draw in that a really cartoony style but they're able to to make jokes that are a lot more risque mm-hmm. you know sort of um more more adult and uh that's just kind of what I wanted to do and with the subject matter too being you know um the middle ages uh there's like a tradition of these sort of uh, n- uh naughty um stories uh done from that period they're called um um of Fablo, something like that. Um, anyway, there's a tradition of making up yeah. these kind of you know slightly dirty stories that make fun of the church and uh, and the women and and all kinds of things. The bodiness. Uh, the bodiness, exactly. Oh, body. uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like um, other cartoonists like uh, Joan Spar and um, uh, Didier Conrad, and um, I'm probably mispronouncing all the French names, but um, uh, it's. Basically, yeah, the kind of comics that they do there entertain me so much, and I like them so much. They're so beautiful and just so much fun, and I just wish more of that was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is kind of my attempt to, to draw the comics that I wanted to see. And, uh, yeah, I work on kids' stuff all day. I don't necessarily want to be censoring myself <laughs> when I do my own work. So. Yeah, it's funny because, like, straight up you have penises and mm-hmm. presses in yeah. it. And yeah. I mean, is that just your way of going... No, kids. Yeah, pretty much. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I've uh, I've run into some parents. I've never actually been, like, attacked for, for any of it, but I, I'm always careful. Like, if pa- parents bring kids to the table, that I tell them, no, it's not really for kids. But um, 
ironically, I actually think there there should be more good kids comics. It's just that this is not really what I do. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but um, like, I certainly don't object to comics for kids. I I, I want to encourage comics for kids. Ba- basically, I want to encourage comics for everyone. But um, uh, I just yeah, my my personal thing that I wanted to do was uh, more risque, more sort of adult and silly, and you know, just f- funny comics that can be for grown ups too. You know? Yeah. Or are for grown ups. <laughs> um, funny grown ups. Yeah, there we go. So tell me about Much Miller's Son, kind of a, uh, a Robin Hood mm-hmm. story. What was the attraction to the the Robin Hood world? Um, I've always been a fan of um, Robin Hood ever since uh, the Errol Flynn movie from the, the 30s. That was always... like I, I watched that numerous times when I was a kid, and it always really appealed to me. And I've always felt that nobody really did Robin Hood well since then, you know? Um, there have been numerous film adaptations and things like plenty of jokes about Robin Hood because it's such a well-known um, kind of cultural touchstone. Everybody in the Western world's heard of Robin Hood, um, and uh, but then yeah, you get the, um, the uh, Kevin Costner movie and the um, that was so bad. Uh, 
and the uh, the uh, more recent one, which are they're just they're no fun. They're dull and they're and they're lifeless and they're they could be about anything, but they choose to call it about Robin Hood. Like they're not. It's I didn't enjoy them, so I, I decided to do my own. I don't even know if I finished the Ridley Scott one. I don't know if you'd even know if you had. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh it, no, it turns I did finish into, like, it. A World War Two movie at the end or something. It had nothing to do with Robin Hood. Yeah, it was basically here's the Robin Hood character, yeah. right? Who's a pretty deplorable person. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess he didn't, well, he he didn't was, really. Well, Ridley Scott seems to be under the impression that history is populated with Americans, and so every but time he, he does British? a history, I don't know. Uh, maybe, uh, but every time he does a historical film, everybody in it is an American. They're always yeah. fighting for truth and justice in the American way, even though they're like ancient Romans or like medieval. English people, peasants, right? People who whose whole lives revolved around the church, but they're talking about freedom and justice for all. It just seems really like out of touch with what life was like back then. Um, so yeah, it's uh, much unlike um, uh, what's his name, Oliver Stone's horrible uh, Alexander epic, where everyone had an Irish accent except oh, for yeah. Angelina Jolie, who had a, <laughs> like Eastern European accent because yeah. she wasn't Greek, so. Yeah. It's like so. Everyone else has to be Irish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I digress. Yeah. <laughs> um. What was like? You've changed a lot in mm-hmm. the story in Much Another Sun. Yeah. Um. Format. Mm-hmm. How has this kind of developed as you're doing? Like, why have you been doing this kind of change in d- display? Well. Uh, initially, I didn't have any plans to print it. It was just going to be a webcomic, and so I formatted it um, uh, landscape style mm-hmm. um, because that fits better on a screen. Uh, but then when I did decide to print it, I found that the print options available to me at the company I was going to, which is a print-to-order company, um, I only had so many sizes to choose from, and so the best presentation I could do was um, have all the pages sideways um, because if I put two tiers to a page, they wouldn't be readable. Mm-hmm. Or they'd have to be so big that it would be expensive. So uh, I did it sideways, like the old uh, Mad Magazine reprints, where they, the whole thing was sideways. Yeah. Um, after that, the next book, I decided not to do that way. I decided I'll do it in proper page size, because this time I probably will print it. And so, um, yeah, I went to a more traditional um, portrait st- uh, style. And then, um, you know, based on what I had for budget... I went with uh, black and white and a relatively small size. Um, I kind of like the idea of comics being cheap, mm-hmm. uh, just that they're it makes them really accessible, and so that was something that was in my mind at the time. And then uh, for the more recent one, I was introduced to a guy named Alberto Ruiz, who does uh, a bunch of um, art books for uh, people like Shane Glines, a lot of different animation artists, and uh, he agreed to print my next book, but he wanted to print it in, co- in color with a hardcover. And okay. so I said, okay. And I rushed home and learned how to color in Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, I uh, went quickly about uh, getting a Zarek grant. Um, I have a couple of friends, uh, Wei Lee and uh, Jonathan Dalton, and um, Ben... Uh, uh, sorry, uh, Ben uh, Costa, who did um, uh, the Shaolin Monk comic. Um, oh. Pay? pay Something like that. Sorry. Just look at uh, it. Yeah. Google it. Look at it. <laughs> uh, Who have all won Zarek Grants. And so they were encouraging and they helped me get through the paperwork and stuff. And I was fortunate enough to, to win. 
uh, one of the last ones. I figure uh, Peter Laird probably saw the submission and was like, forget this, we're not doing this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah, I won it, which, which enabled me to uh, have enough funds to go ahead and print in, um, in full color and uh, hardcover. So, nice. so that's, that's the reason for that. Is there anything else that happens with Zurich um, having that? Any other perks of the well, money? Uh, there's the money. There's the uh, clout, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I get to the front of lines, right? No. Uh, it comes with a fancy hat. Yeah. Um, uh, the, uh, they they put, take out an ad for you in the uh, um, previews. Okay. So it's like it's all the winners get you know a black and white ad. So uh, it wasn't like a full page or anything, but it was you know something to get to get out there. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess I um, distributors and so on take you a little more seriously. So there's that. Have you you have the book coming out next mm-hmm. month? From yes, from Diamond. From Diamond. Do you know how it's been? How it's like? How the orders have been at all? Uh, well, I have to contact people once I have the order number in previews. Oh, then okay. I'll go around. Oh, I'll call it's up everyone be in previews. Yes. Next. Oh, I thought it was going to come out. Next no, no, no. It'll be in okay. previews in February. So, oh, okay. So everybody hassled their uh, their comic local stores. Uh, comic stores. <laughs> Sorry about I've that. I've got a. I've got a like. Uh, I have a storage locker actually, where I have to keep these things because they're uh, they're huge. <laughs> and there was just after the after the second book, there's no room under my kids' beds anymore, so I had to actually rent a storage locker to keep these things in. Um, uh, because they're huge and um, and heavy. Uh, <laughs> so I'm hoping I'm hoping that people want the books. Um, but say <laughs> someone wants one now, uh, they can uh, contact me through my website. Um, which is muchthecomic.com. There we go. And, uh, yeah, I have a shop on there. You can order for me. All right. So tell me about the content. Uh, we talked a little bit about Robin Hood. You seem uh, somewhat interested in medieval life. Mm-hmm. Was this something you got into working on this book as a Robin Hood kind uh, of? No, I think it was sort of a, just a general interest. Like, I've always been interested in history uh, in a kind of... Um, uh, just a casual way. Like, yeah. I, I hate to be... Um, Quizzed on on any of this because it's pretty sporadic reading. It's it's like things I've absorbed and you know things that occurred to me that were funny more than things that I necessarily know to be true. Uh, like I have a um, a cartoon in the back of the second book that's a, a joke about um, everybody believing that the world is flat, which is a common misconception. It's actually in the Middle Ages, you know, around the time of. Um, uh, a few hundred years before the Renaissance, people nobody believed that the Earth was flat, but there's some of the early church fathers did, and so it's kind of been an, um, like a uh, a popular misconception. Yeah. That, uh, well, it was a Greek that originally measured Ptolemy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, no, Ptolemy believed that the Earth re- that the Sun revolved around the Earth, yeah, uh, and Galileo point. challenged that, and the the church accepted the Ptolemaic view because it was old. Well, there's also some <coughs> that actually measured the Earth. Oh, okay. They, he took a measurement. He was in Egypt mm. and um, took a measure to think of the shadows. At, that sounds familiar. At yeah, moon, I think that's right. At yeah. one spot and mm-hmm. then another spot. Mm-hmm. And he worked out that the sun would have to be, yeah, that the no, earth would have to be curved. worked out the whole, to, yeah, the right. whole size of the earth. Mm-hmm. Like, here you go, here it yeah. is. <laughs> and this is like several yeah. hundreds of years before uh, mm-hmm. Common Era. Right, right. <laughs> so. Yeah, so. So yeah, it's um, well. People people even believe up till the point of um, Christopher Columbus that people believe that the Earth was flat, and that's just ludicrous because that's and certainly not true at all. And I think there's some Tea Partiers who still believe, believe that the Earth is, is flat. Yes, yeah. they believe in a flat tax. <laughs> because, uh, 
Nine nine nine. <laughs> oh dear. Oh no. Sorry, Herman. I'm back talking to Steve. Look who you are. Yeah. I totally buggered that one it, up, didn't I? You know what? I, I've been pronouncing it wrong for years. I only learned to pronounce it properly when I went and visited my family in um, in the Channel Islands, uh, which is where they're from. It's it's a weird thing because um, although my name is French, I don't speak any French. 
because uh, my family is actually part of Great Britain. Um, the uh, the Channel Islands are uh, Jersey, Guernsey, Sark, um, and they're the islands that are in the English Channel between France and England, but they're part of Great Britain, even though a lot of the people there are French. And so a lot of the road signs are in French, and it's been conquered back and forth a few times. Uh, but it's it's actually part of Great Britain. And you live in the French neighborhood of... Yeah, but that's just a coincidence. It's a good coincidence. <laughs> yeah. It's a funny one. Yeah. Um, so what have you been... What do you want to do with your comics now? You, you've mm-hmm. mentioned you've kind of taken a sabbatical from... Mm-hmm. From much Miller's side. Yeah. Um, where is it you want to go with your work? Do you want to go back to this story? Or do you kind of feel like you've kind of ridden the, the horse? No, I have a lot of stories left to do uh, with these characters. Actually, I didn't mention this before, but um, this concept was developed as a pitch for a TV show uh, at, um, at a local animation studio. Um, and so I did a bunch of work with a friend of mine from Calgary. Uh, we... Um, sent a bunch of emails back and forth and came up with a bunch of springboards for different episode ideas. Um, and then ultimately the the um, studio passed on it, but I had all this work, and I figured, you know, I might as well just, you know, do with it what I want. Uh, and so that was the, the beginning of the comic. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the character then, actually, much. Mm-hmm. The Miller's son and, and right. you know, how you're kind of fitting that into this already existing world. Right. Existing um, fictional world. <laughs> <laughs> well, Much the Miller's Son actually is a character from the from the Robin Hood stories, but he's uh, he gets left out or forgotten quite a lot, because people remember Maid Marian and uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham and uh, Little John and Will Scarlet. But uh, Much um, is just, he's just another, another character. He doesn't seem to have a strong um, personality. Or at least not one that tra- that goes from one version of the of the stories to another. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a piece of pop culture that's been around since at least the twelfth century. So it's it's there are a lot of versions, um, <laughs> and actually much his name gets changed in different ones uh, depending on the author. Sometimes he's called Nick. Sometimes he's called something else. And so that's a running gag in the series too that Robin Hood and a few of the other characters can't remember his name. <coughs> um, so uh, my the idea came from. Um, I was talking to some friends about uh, about you know the Robin Hood film, the the one that I like, and uh, how nobody ever does a good job of it. And then I started thinking, well, if I was going to do it, I'd do it from the point of view of some minor character, and uh, you know he'd be in love with Maid Marian, and he'd just be a, a loser or whatever. Um, and then the opportunity came up to pitch a TV series, and so I went with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like uh, old-fashioned uh, sort of comedies like the Marx Brothers, and uh, I like Woody Allen's uh, comedies, particularly the earlier ones, and um, uh, just various sort of uh, screwball kind of things like that. And I decided to just, you know, do that kind of thing and uh, make uh, dirty jokes or inappropriate jokes or uh, <laughs> nothing yeah. is inappropriate. <laughs> it's just too soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell me about the the written. Did you re-up a lot of Robin Hood? You mentioned the movies, but not um, so much the Well, the I've books. read several versions, uh, like children's versions of them. I've read at least part of um, the uh, the classic one by um, uh, Howard Pyle. Um, I may have read all of that, but that's kind of the, the seed from which a lot of other versions are taken. Um, and yeah, I've read um, several different versions, so I knew that there were variations. Uh, variations in the time that they that it was placed, uh, variations in other um, other characters who were involved. Um, 
uh, yeah, um, actually, um, the Once and Future King was another um, inspiration, in a way. Uh, I think I read that about halfway through working on what is that? The first book that is um, T. H. White's uh, book, uh, The Sword and the Stone, is like the first segment of that that oh, Disney okay. made into a movie. It's a, it's all about King Arthur. Yeah, and but it's um, it's sort of a the word reimagining is really popular these days, but it's basically it's taking uh, Mallory's version of uh, the, the Arthur myths and putting a kind of uh, a more recent, um, like a more nuanced uh, characterization on top of that. Um, Merlin um, in that one, I, the musical Camelot is loosely based on on Camelot. Yes, where uh, where Merlin lives backwards, so he comes from the future and he gets younger as he goes along, and. Um, Things like uh, the romance between um, uh, Sir Lancelot and Guinevere is uh, is really really interesting in uh, in the Once and Future King. He's taking um, these sort of iconic mythological characters and bringing them down to earth, mm-hmm. uh, and that's another thing that I, I kind of like. I mean, I I'm not nearly as good as that <laughs> as he is, but uh, but I like the idea of kind of showing the sort of um, the flesh and blood versions of the of the characters, mm-hmm. uh, but but more in a comedy way, like more in a um, a joking way. It's not. Uh, uh, it's not that I'm um, delving deeply into their psyche. I'm just making like in my version of Robin Hood is basically just uh, based off of Errol Flynn, the real life Errol Flynn, who's an egomaniac and a womanizer, and kind of he was actually a Nazi sympathizer. He wasn't a very nice yeah. man. No, no, he wasn't. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so he's this sort of like in my version, he's this sort of alpha male who just um, he he robs from the rich, not so much to give to the poor, but more because he finds it fun. Uh, it's it's sport to him, um, and so he's not he's not really that likable. He's just this kind of guy who always gets his way. Yeah. Um, and so he's a foil for much who is uh, a meek and small and not not very imposing person who never really gets his way. Um, and if he had any sense, he would just run as far away from the merry men as he could. But he's infatuated with Maid Marian, and he can't kind of let that go. Um, my maid Marion is um, she's like a very political um, young woman who's Proletary attended university. Agitator. Yes, yes, she's an agitator. <coughs> um, and uh, so, for the Middle Ages, she would be a um, a radical for believing in things like democracy. Probably um, a witch. Yeah, <laughs> or what have you. Um, and so she's the one who takes this whole thing seriously, and she does all the actual work. Um, and uh, so um, much basically wants to help her with that because he finds her so fascinating. But of course, he doesn't even have any chance with her. She's completely infatuated with Robin Hood because she sees him as like a Che Guevara kind of a character, like you know this guy who's um, just the uh, the epitome of everything she believes in. So she's blind to the fact that he's just an egomaniac. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then uh, I've got Will Scarlet, who is um, in a lot of versions of the story, he's a um, uh, a fop, a dandy, this kind of character that we don't really see anymore. Well, I, uh, he would be, I guess, a flamboyantly gay character, I guess, uh, nowadays. Yes. Uh, that would be the, the closest analog we get um, uh, in, in modern times. But, of course, in the Middle Ages, they wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have recognized that. They're just sort of these flamboyant, you know, foppish characters um, who are more interested in music and fine clothes and things like that. Um... Uh, but I decided not to go that route because I didn't think it was all that funny, uh, and so I made him um, and too easy, and too easy, yeah. Um, 
But also, like, it doesn't drive the story anywhere. Yeah. You know, he would just show up and, I don't know, strum some notes and look fancy. Uh, There's just no story there. Uh, and so I made him, a, a, like, a, uh, like, a British gangster. Like, he's, he's a, a hardened criminal. And he's with uh, the Merry Men because they're a very successful gang. And he's trying to learn everything he can and sneak some of that money away to himself instead of giving it away. Yeah. Um, and then I've got uh, Friar Tuck, who is an alcoholic, but that's that's not that unusual. He's usually an alcoholic. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, Alan Adale, who is a um, um, uh, jester in my version. Uh, he In the original stories, he's a uh, troubadour who... Um, He's trying to win uh, his his um, what's the word for it? His paramour in the in the original story is um, supposed to marry a knight or something, and he's a, just a poor troubadour, so he doesn't he doesn't yeah. have the right to marry her. And so Robin Hood interrupts the wedding and so on. But in my version, Alan Adale is uh, he's a struggling um, stage act, and he's basically hanging out with the merry men so that he can you know write ballads about them and get famous and uh, and also become notorious. Um, but so far that doesn't work out very well for him. Actually, in the first book, um, uh, Alan Adale's infuriated because Much has a, a wanted post- poster, and he doesn't. Alan doesn't. And so he, uh, he goes to great lengths to try to become more, more uh, notorious than, <laughs> than everybody else. So, um, learning the cartooning chops, going <laughs> from doing storyboards to becoming a, to doing comics, <laughs> do you kind of have expectations of oh, this would be pretty much the same thing and did that kind of change? Yes, definitely. Um, some things don't change, like just basic drawing skills and perspective and, you know, the, the general sort of um, uh, just um, the, the the general skills of drawing don't change. But um, the way you uh, plan things out and pace things and what you put into a frame are vastly different. Even though uh, storyboards look very similar, to, uh, to a comic strip, they're actually completely different. The main reason for that is that when you're storyboarding, your, your panel is the TV screen, and so you don't have any space in between one image and another. They're, they're layered on top of each other. Yeah. So um, when you do a strip of uh, images for a, uh, for a TV sequence, you are uh, adding additional poses to a single moment in time, Whereas in a comic, the gutters uh, equal time. Yeah. And so time passes in between every panel. Um, so that means also that you can do things like... Um, Bill Watterson is famous for doing um, like long panels with no dialogue and then having the character at one end because it creates a pause, a dramatic pause on paper. Yeah. Uh, which is something you can't do in TV. You can't vary the size of the panels. You can only... Or the size or shape of the panels. You can only... You can pan... Uh, but as far as manipulating time, you can't. That's the editor's job. Um, Is that something you like? What? Being able to manipulate it more with comics? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, well, it's it's just the, the learning curve, really, of um, how they're so totally different. Um, yeah. Your toolbox is, is really quite different, even though they look so similar. So what's uh, where is it you want to take your work? Well, my next project that I'm trying to work on is... Um, well, no, I am working on it, but it's not coming easily. It's, uh, it's a bit more ambitious. It's a, uh, a sword and sorcery epic about a barbarian single mom, uh, which 
is uh, there may be a reason nobody's done this before. <laughs> I'm starting to discover. Uh, it's um, it's it's been hard for me. Well, with Robin Hood, I had a, a I had basic rules. I had basic things that I had to do, and that was easy to um, easy to work off of. Yeah. Uh, as you know, like because art thrives on limitations. That's just kind of how it works. If you have walls to bounce your rubber ball off of, it's a lot easier than just making things up. And so, yeah, my big problem is making up the parameters, finding a tone, and deciding what to include and what not to include. Like, world building is one of those things where you can go on forever. And uh, at some point, you have to stop worrying about what this tribe of people eats. (laughs) As opposed to, you know, or what all the different religions are. or uh, Rule it down, Steve. A lot of work. But then I don't have a deadline either, right? Like, if I was doing this to... You know, the way that, uh, like, the uh, old Conan, com- Conan comics were done, where you have, you know, like, a week <laughs> to write a story. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, I'd probably be cranking out a lot more material. Not necessarily good, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be there. Mm. Not necessarily good. Well, thanks for taking the time with me today, Steve, to come and chat about your work. No, thank um, you. Once again, uh, Steve Le Couillard. Le Couillard. Yeah. I'm sorry, Steve. <laughs> uh, Much the Miller's son, and the website is muchthecomic.com. Muchthecomic.com, which is probably better than your old website. Mm, yes, yes. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so much, Steve. Thank you. I've got a fang I've got a fang
Thank you. 